May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Christ in St. Lutz. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good. You look ready for some good news, yes? Yes. Okay, I'm going to try to give it to you. Doing my best. Um, one year, exactly one year and six days ago, I started my ministry here. Isn't that amazing? One year and six days ago. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a really good time. So far, so good. And I am here just feeling so grateful and so blessed to start yet another year of continuing this work with children and youth with you. And here we are at the ninth Sunday of Pentecost. In case you've been counting, there's 15 more Sundays and then we finally get to Advent. So if you are getting tired of the green, if you're getting tired of it, no, you only have 15 more Sundays. <laughs> then we'll switch it out. But it's important to be in the screen time, to be in this time of Pentecost where we are growing in our relationship with God. And all of the scripture readings so far are pointing us to reminding us who we are and where we're headed. Full transparency here. I work with children. I don't usually preach. There's a message, I have a thought, but it's a conversation between the children and the youth and myself. So we're going to have a conversation today. I certainly don't expect you, although it would be really cool if you did, I don't expect you to respond and yell at me from the pews. But if you want to, go for it. Just do it. So, and usually we review a little bit. Usually we just do the gospel reading, so we review that. But, you know, we have three readings when we're sitting in big church with all the grown-ups. So let's review that a little to make sure that we were all hearing the same thing, kind of, sort of. So first we have the book of Genesis, our reading from the Old Testament. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Question, who believed the Lord? Abraham. Well done, Father Noah's right there. <laughs> Boy, it's a good thing he's the priest, right? And he got that. We're good to go. And, and in, when you think about that, that doesn't seem too surprising, especially, you have to know, I have this daughter that loves reality TV, and she makes me watch a lot of reality TV. If you don't do it, don't do it. Okay. But there are numerous reality TV shows about these families with children beyond count and how these families manage it. And for some reason, people think that makes good TV. I don't know. But in our story, we know something a little bit more about our friend Abram. We know that he's an old dude, as in the, <laughs> the reading um, from the letter to Hebrews, we hear, he's almost dead. You giggled at that a little bit, didn't you? You heard that and you went, he's almost dead. Not having any more kids, right? 
And Sarah is beyond childbearing years. So that seems like a great impossibility. However, Abraham believes. He believes what God is telling him. Because we are talking about the God that does the impossible. And Abraham believes. Now, our next lesson was from... Well done, friends. You're getting it. See, it's not hard, right? Not hard. And there is that line that just makes me so happy. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So anytime I hear those words, faith and hope, I get excited because I like them. And then I also think, oh, but those aren't really simple concepts, right? And especially when I hear the word faith, it takes me back to my high school days. I went to St. Andrew's Episcopal School where Dead Poets Society was filmed. It was filmed after I was there. I was there way back in the day. And um, Mr. Mean, our chaplain, taught sacred studies. And I remember sitting in the sacred studies and we were reading Paul Tillich's Dynamics of Faith. Raise your hand if you read that. Oh, good job. Okay, just for the record, I was like probably in 10th or 11th grade. I was also, even at that time, I wanted to be a person of great faith. And I struggled with this idea of doubt. And I still struggle with it, to be honest. At that point in time, in my spiritual journey, I equated doubt with being the opposite of faith. And reasoned, therefore, that if I doubted, my faith was weak. Right? That like just sends you right down, doesn't it? I wanted to be a person of strong faith, a person that believed no matter what. So the writings of Paul Tillich, along with the guidance of Mr. Mean, who was an amazing human being, I began to learn that as Tillich writes, the doubt is an element of faith, a necessary element of faith. You can't have doubt, you can't have faith unless you have doubt. doubt. You got it. So, if that's true, right, that means those of us who doubt have really strong faith. There's some good news for you, right? If you're doubting, if you're like, I don't see God today, you're good. Your faith is growing. Your faith is getting stronger. And then there's that word hope. And it's not like hope, I hope it doesn't rain so we can go to the beach today. Right? It's, it's not that kind of hope. It is the hope, the concept of biblical hope, is that God makes promises, and God keeps those promises, and we don't ever think that that's not going to happen. I want that kind of radical hope. And it takes us back to that story of Abram. He had that radical hope, that hope. That God says you're going to have descendants as many as stars in the sky and grains of sand on the beach. Abraham believed it. But now we get to the gospel. Which was from Luke. Well done. And that's what we're hearing from right now. All our readings. He's just going right through the gospel of Luke. And if I were out in the garden where our children are right now, and my guess is my friend Henry is doing this with them right now, 
After we read the story, I would ask them, what did you hear? Is there a word that stood out with you? Is there something that you have a question about? Now, I was having back in my head a little, you know, somewhere where I want to go, but I let them lead me. And their responses are always amazing. And sometimes you have to sit in quiet for a little bit and let, let them think. But they always get there. So the thing that stood out to me when I first read this gospel in preparation for this morning was, do not be afraid. You like that, right? You love it when it starts, do not be afraid. Little flock. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now there is some good news. You don't even have to ask for that kingdom. It's God's pleasure to give it to you. In my family, we have this thing that we do. I have three brothers, in case you're curious. And um, we were told by our parents at one point that if there was anything in our parents' house that perhaps we would like to have when our parents were gone, we should put a little yellow sticky note on it. So, just a reminder, family, my yellow sticky note is on the Hoosier cabinet. It's mine. <laughs> so, just, so, so now it's like out there in the internet, right? Legally, I think I'm good. Um, <laughs> it's not like that. We don't have to put a yellow sticky note on the kingdom for God to give it to us. God wants to give us the kingdom. Not any old kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Being with God forever. How did we get so lucky to be heirs to a kingdom so rich, so wondrous, so amazing, that pretty much the only descriptions we have of it are in the parables. Because we can't wrap our brains around it. Those parables, all those stories that Jesus told to try to answer that question for people like us. And he said things like, oh, it's like a mustard seed, like treasure buried in a field, a pearl of great price. 2,000 years later, we're tr still trying to figure out those parables. It's hard to know what the kingdom is like. It is so amazing that we can't fathom it. So why would God be willing to just give us this kingdom? It's his pleasure. There is, of course, a really matter-of-fact answer that children would tell you right away. And that is because God said so. God said so, right there. And Jesus came and told us that over and over and over again. The kingdom is ours. If only our capacity for faith and hope was that great that we could accept this good news at face value. Jesus was constantly asked the question, what do I have to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And some of the answers are my favorite, right? Not really my favorite, that's sarcasm. Get rid of all your stuff. So everybody, when we're done here, go home, get rid of all your stuff. 
follow me now. Now. You don't have time to go cook dinner, clean your house, say goodbye to your friends, or bury your dad. Follow me now. But truly, seriously, my favorite one that Jesus tells us over and over and over again. All you have to do is love God and love people. We still ask that question, what do we have to do to get into the kingdom of heaven? And we still struggle with those answers. And then there's another troubling thought of like, when is this going to happen? I don't know, did any of you get a calendar invite for the coming of the kingdom? If you did, I want to be on that email thread. Okay? But Jesus tells us again very plainly, just be ready. It's all about your heart. Make sure your heart is ready. Seems simple, right? You got this. How do you make sure your heart is ready, right? There's the next question. Obviously, not by filling up your barn with stuff like we heard last week. That didn't work out so well, did it? But I ask you to consider this. Think about this this week. What if we put all our attention into becoming who God created us to be? Instead of putting our energy in who we think we should be, what if we thought about who God wants us to be? I have spent a majority of my life with God whispering in my ear. God whispers in my ear all the time, and I do have a tendency to ignore God. Sometimes I listen and I say, sure, God, I can do that. Whatever you want, dude. More times than not, I just laugh. Really, God? That's what you want me to do? Children's ministry? Mmm, not sure you're talking to the right person. Teacher of religion? Are you crazy? A school chaplain? God, rethink this. I know there's somebody else out there. Director of family, youth, and children's ministry? Okay, God. I will do it. I will do it. And when I finally, albeit usually very begrudgingly, say, yes, God, I'm going to do this, because I know you have my back, I discover in the process this amazing joy, this wonderful joy that fills my whole person. And there's also this wonderful peace. It's not like peace like I'm calm, I just finished my yoga class, I've taken my deep breaths. But that peace that says that I am whole. I am one with God. Doesn't happen all the time, right? But when those moments happen, I think this must be what the kingdom is like. And I want others to know this joy of being in relationship with God. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
So that also brings me back. Jesus also said you need to be like a little child to enter the kingdom. And that is why I do this work. Ministry to children and youth and their families. This is where I want to put my treasure, and this is where my heart is. And if you've been following any of the adults in our church who have been at General Convention and the Lambeth Conference and what they've been talking about, it makes my heart a little bit sad sometimes. I'm not sure that's where the future of our beloved church is. I'm not confident in that. That being said, I am confident that the future lies in our children. I recently read an article that said there are two kinds of churches. The kind that tolerates children and the kind that embraces children. Think about that. The kind that tolerates children and the kind that embraces children. I believe I am called to this place in this work because this community wants to be the latter. It wants to be a place that embraces children of all ages. Maybe talking with children and youth is not your thing, and you're thinking, I am not going to come up to you after this and volunteer to be part of children or youth ministry, and that's okay. It really is. However, I'm going to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone as we work towards being that community that embraces children. Tell them your story. How did you get to be in this pew? Ask them about theirs. Is it just their parents that drags them here every Sunday morning or to youth events? Ask them about where they see God. Where do they experience God? What do they know about God? You might be surprised at the answers. I always am. After all of my years, and there have been a lot of them friends, of sitting on the floor, telling stories, talking about God, wandering with God, with children, youth, and some young adults, I realize that this is a great gift that they have. The capacity to struggle with these questions and explore them. And they are not always held back by what they think the right answer is. Think about that. If there is one thing I want our children and youth to know is that they are loved, greatly loved. Loved so greatly that God wants to give them the kingdom. Wants them to know the joy of being in relationship with God and with all of God's creation. So let's put our treasure in our children and our young people. And here is some even more good news. I want you to know this too. You are greatly loved. God wants to give you, yes, all of you, the kingdom with pleasure. He does not require you to put a sticky note on, I want this kingdom. God is giving it to you. All you have to do is to live into being the one God created you to be. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. 
from the lectionary text that I used with the children called God's Word, My Voice. The end of our gospel today ended this way. Always be ready for God. Always be ready for God and God's goodness to break into your life. So this is what I heard in the scripture today. We are a community of believers. We are the children of Abram. We are people of faith. We do not need to see God's promise come to fruition to know that God is good for it. And it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We are greatly loved. Amen. Amen.